On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. We should all be ashamed of ourselves for liking this song. Hated it. That's terrible. That's terrible, man. You're listening to The Growing Up Rock Podcast with Stephen Michael and Sonny Hollywood Pooney. Now, crank it up. Hollywood, last time around, we decided to do a Dirty Dozen and each pick six songs. Uh, last time around, it was the Kiss episodes and we picked six songs each. This time around, it's the Dirty Dozen and we are picking what I am calling terrible endings to an otherwise pretty good record. And so we're looking at the last song that closes out an album that overall we think is pretty good. So this should be an interesting episode. What's up with you, my friend? You doing all right? I am doing good. When I was picking my albums, <laughs> as I'm picking and thinking about what I'm going to say on the final track, I was actually getting pissed off. So I was like, all right, I think I got the right albums. <laughs> so I was actually kind of laughing because I think there's going to be about 50% of your stuff that I don't necessarily agree with. May not be the best song in the album, but I don't know if it's that bad. My stuff, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I don't even like some of your albums, period. So yeah. All of it's bad. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me either. I, I definitely picked some that are not necessarily up your uh, alley, but we'll get into all that. Uh, but hey, look, as we do with most of these episodes, hell, as we do with all these episodes, before we get too deep into it, you know we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. Okay, so tonight's Crank It Up Spotlight, we are going to feature a rather heavy band that I'm not very familiar with. I know a little bit about it, but we actually bought this band up in a past episode, which I have no clue. I think it was the 250 list, actually. Uh, that we discussed this, but we're featuring the band Primal Fear in tonight's Crank It Up Spotlight. And so they've got a new album coming out called Code Red, uh, which is going to be released on September 1st, which I think by the time you listen to this episode, it'll be after September 1st. So the album's out there. Go out there and get it. This is a metal band from Germany that's been around for a pretty good while at this point. It's And I'm just going to use most of these uh, first names. 
Ralph on vocals, Matt Sinner, who was actually in the band Sinner that we talked about on bass and vocals, Tom on guitars, Alex Bayrot on guitars, and Magnus Carlson on guitars. Magnus and Alex have appeared on a lot of other things, especially for Frontiers Records. So they've got a bunch of other projects going on. And then Michael on drums. Check out this song called Another Hero from Primal Fear. So I'm listening to the uh, the song the other day, chugging riff, nothing wrong with that. All was good until the vocals started. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh no, this like Shakespeare, the skull in the hand. Like I just, I, I just, I tried to like it and I love Magnus. And I love Alex. I just, I couldn't like it. I love the music. I thought the rest was meh. This is right NBC shit. This, oh, yeah. Oh. I was just like, Jesus, I, I can't listen to it. So I have to admit that my tolerance for this type of stuff has lessened over the years than when I was younger. It's really hard for me to listen to a lot of this stuff like this nowadays for that very same reason. Musically, I really like it. Like, I like the heavy riffs. I like that it's not all like thrashy double time there's some grooves in there i like all that stuff but the vocals kind of throw me off and it's not that the guy's a bad singer but i don't necessarily like the shakespeare <laughs> shakespearean delivery as you call it uh some of that stuff so it's just I, I really really have to be in the mood for this kind of stuff to listen to it but overall i know a lot of our listeners like this type stuff and if you like that song, then it might be worth your time to check out Primal Fear in general. But maybe this new record is a great place for you to start if you're not that familiar with it, because I have gone through the record and it's it's pretty. I mean, if you like this song, you'll like the record because it's pretty much along that same lines. There's some really, really good riffs on there, some great music that I really like the music from that standpoint. But that's kind of where it ends for me. 
Please make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. So getting to the episode, so this whole terrible endings thing, you know, there's, I don't think we were looking for, well, it wouldn't be Desert Island albums because they wouldn't be Desert Island albums if we didn't like the last track. So I kind of went to first, I have this like list of almost Desert Island albums, but uh, not all of those, the last track is bad. Right. It's usually like a, not usually, but there's some of them that got like a middle track that I don't like so much. Sonny got a lot of lists, people. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot of lists. Any of you guys call me Francis and I'll kill you. Ooh. <laughs> you just made the list, buddy. So, yeah, I went with bands that I love and I went with uh, some of the albums that I really, really like. But then where really the last uh, song is possibly not something I absolutely hate, but it just didn't need to be there. Or it was just bad all the way around. So my first pick, I'm going to go with White Snake, Slip of the Tongue, Sailing Ships. So let's talk a little bit about the album first. So this album was released in 89. It comes on the heels of Slide It In, released in 84, and then the 87 record released in 87. So they're red hot. Album peaks out at number 10 on the U.S. Billboard 200. So here on December 16th, 89 is when it got to number 10. Here was the top nine albums when it topped out. Nine was Pumped by Aerosmith. Eight, Steel Wheels by the Rolling Stones. Seven, Cosmic Thing by the B-52s. Six, But Seriously by Phil Collins. Five, Hanging Tough by New Kids on the Block. Four, Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Three, Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson. Two, Girl You Know Is True. Ooh, 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 I love you. Millie Vanilli. And then one, Stormfront Billy Joel. It's going to be hard to beat some of these guys. A lot of these bands were ultra hot at the time or artists were ultra hot at the time. So it kind of is what it is. If you know anything about this album or if you've heard about it before, Vivian Campbell's out. Adrian Vandenberg's still there. He has an illness. He can't record. Coverdale needs somebody to record the album because he's got to get going. And he enlists Steve Vai because he saw him on the Crossroads movie and thought the guy was cool. Had never heard Vai before. I got a hard time believing Coverdale had never heard Vai before. It's 1989, dude. But whatever. It's possible, I guess. So anyway, Vai gets the job. Now, some people would say... And including Vandenberg has said that, look, Vi was flamboyant and didn't really fit what they were trying to do bluesy approach wise to the album. I'm a huge Steve Vi fan, so I don't hear that. I like the flamboyance, but that is what it is. So the album had Coverdale on vocals, Vi on guitar, Rudy Sarzo on bass, Tommy Allridge on drums, and then Glenn Hughes and Richard Page from Mr. Mr. did a bunch of the backing vocals. So I love the 87 record. I would say many people did. I love Slide It In before that. Both are Desolate Island albums for me. When this album came out, Love Vi. Vi was involved. I was super excited. I get the album, start listening. The album doesn't disappoint, right? First eight songs. Sip of the Tongue, Cheap and Nasty, Fool for Loving, Now You're Gone, Kittens Got Claws, Wings of the Storm, Deeper Love, Judgment Day. Great songs. Slowpoke music comes. It's the second to last song. I'm like, eh, but it's listenable. And then a six-minute song from a band that just sang about Kittens Got Claws and then slows it completely down to do sailing ships total deep purple vibe and i get it coverdale was in deep purple but we just didn't need this we didn't need the album to be this long you could have just cut it as slowpoke music it would have been fine it just stops it from being a trilogy of perfect albums for me Take the time to see you're the one who 
I know you're not a huge fan of this Total album, but do you agree about the Sailing Ships? And what do you think about this album? Yeah, overall, I told you that I've grown to like this record much more through our relationship in the podcast. I still think that Vi doesn't fit White Snake, and that's part of my issue. My issue is really not with Vi as a as a player. Vi is the shit. We did an episode on that. Thanking the greats, but I'm not a fan of this type of music to begin with. You know this. Sailing Ships, and I got that mixed up with Sail Away, which was on the Purple album from the Deep Purple uh, Burn record. What is it with Coverdale's affinity for sailing? Does he secretly want to be like a captain? What? When you marooned me on that godforsaken spit of land, you forgot one very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh, kill it, Lom. Lom picky picky. Lom meansy winsy. I don't know, and he lives in Lake Tahoe, so it's possible he's got a sailing boat, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I think he was he was selling the house in Tahoe, he was saying, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. This is uh, not the best ending to a uh, record. Yeah, it's not not my favorite type of music to begin with. So for my second pick, I went with Warrant's Cherry Pie. And we were trying to stay away from, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't do like an instrumental at the end or something stupid at the end. But uh, I'm going to explain because whether you believe Ode to Tipper Gore should be considered the end or Train Train should be considered the end, this one fits the bill. So if you don't know anything about Cherry Pie, second studio album by Warrant released in September 11th of 90. This one peaked at number seven on the Billboard 200. So here's a competition it couldn't beat. Six was Blaze of Glory by John Bon Jovi. He wasn't going to beat that. Five was Poisoned by Bellevue DeVoe. Four was Listen Without Prejudice, George Michael. Three was Mar- Mariah Carey's first album, which had all those number one hits. Two was Wilson Phillips' first album, which had all those number one hits. And number one was MC Hammer, Please Hammer Don't Hurt Him. So Cherry Pie was not going to get any farther than seven. Probably people were surprised it got to seven. Okay. If you remember, if you're a Warrant fan, it was rumored that neither Eric Turner nor Joey Allen, who are the two guitar players, did any of the solos or any of the guitar work. That rumor was supposedly never verified, but the guy, Mike Slamer, who supposedly did all that work, his wife first said in 98 that her husband played guitar on the record. And then Bo Hill, who produced the record in 2012, said Slamer did do all the guitar. So we don't know who to believe in all that. Who knows? Okay. So for me, I loved Dirty, Rotten, Stinking, Filthy, Rich. I thought it was a great album, Desert Island again. When I first heard this album, super excited because the first seven songs are Cherry Pie, Uncle Tom's Cabin, I Saw Red, Bed of Roses, Sure Feels Good to Me, Love and Stereo, Blind Faith. Seven awesome songs. The next three songs, which are Song and Dance Man, You're the Only Hell Your Mama Ever Raised, and Mr. Rainmaker, they're good songs. They fit what Warrant was doing. They're good. Then the second to last song, or the last song song, is this stupid train train Blackfoot cover that no one ever needs to do. You were just singing about cherry pies. Nobody gives a shit about train train. (laughs) Then I'm going to coin this phrase because it's going to come up a couple of times. Then to finish it off with a double dip stupid move, you do 55 seconds of F words to Tipper Gore. Dude, nobody cares that you don't like Tipper Gore. The fuck is Sonny Pony? (laughs) absolute idiocy double dip stupid webster's dictionary should have this fucking album like pictured right there like two of the dumbest things i've ever heard on the back of an album Uh, you can't possibly like these two stupid shit songs okay well one i wouldn't even consider a song right train trains a song oh to tipper gore is just is train train a song 
Should it be classified as long? <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me be the voice of reason here. So I'm with you on the Cherry Pie record. I think it's a great record. The first two warrant record, well, first three warrant records are fantastic, in my opinion. Love them. Uh, like all three of them. I thought the Mike Slammer stuff primarily happened on that first warrant record. I didn't know that he was also being rumored as part of the Cherry Pie record. I may be wrong, but that's what my recollection was. So, yeah, they decided to do a cover. They do the Blackfoot Train Train. Uh, other people have done Train Train as well. Do you like the regular song or you don't like that song, period? I don't like the song, period. Okay, so that's part of the problem, right? If they're doing a cover, it doesn't matter if you didn't like the song to begin with. I like the song. I like the Blackfoot cover or the Blackfoot song itself, but I also think that the Warrant cover is fine. I actually think I uh, like the original better, but I do like the Warrant cover simply because the guitars are a little bit heavier. They're a little bit more modern, recorded-wise. The Oda Tipper Gore. So I think we have to put into perspective the time frame that this came out, because this probably occurred right around the time that all this was super hot. And I think, you know, if nothing else, maybe it gives you a little street cred with the kids to put this on the end of the record. You got the space, you threw it on there as kind of a goof, and that's really all it's meant to be. I don't think it's meant to be anything more than that. It's it's being able to verbally give Tipper Gore the middle finger on a record versus not. And it also gets them a sticker, and I think that bands at this time wanted that sticker. We've discussed that in the past, that that sticker actually helped sell records more than deterred uh, selling records. So I think it was a marketing thing. I think it was a goof. I don't think it was meant to be anything more than that. And if you put it in that perspective, then it's okay to me. It doesn't make a difference to me. But again, I like Train Train. If you don't like Train Train, it doesn't matter whether they covered it good or didn't cover it good. It's a song you don't like. And that nothing's going to change that. So that's that's my personal thought on it. Play kick ass. And I will tell you, my mind can be changed because I don't like bad romance by Lady Gaga. But when I heard Hailstorm do it, I'm like, oh, that's how that song's supposed to sound. Yeah, but that's I mean, that's apples and oranges because they didn't they didn't stay true to the original version, whereas Warrant did pretty much stay true to the original version on here. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So for my third pick, I actually went with Striper. So Striper is one of my top 10 albums. I went to Against the Law and the song Rock the Hell Out of You. So if you don't know anything about Against the Law, fifth release by Striper, obviously, three singles and videos, Shining Star, which is an Earth, Wind, and Fire cover, Two-Time Woman, Lady. At this point in time, you know, they were kind of 
getting away from more of the faith-based stuff and singing a little bit more about rock and roll relationships that kind of dumped the yellow and black spandex. You know, whether some members of the band wanted to have that happen, some didn't. Michael Sweet leaves after this album, so who knows? But uh, I found something that Tim Gaines said in an interview. This is what he said. This was our response, the album, was our response to these religious folks who Christ said they swallow a camel and strain on a gnat. I don't even know what that means. Right? Swa- I, like, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Swallow a camel and... And strain on a gnat. And strain on a gnat. I have no clue what that means either. Are you a pothead fucker? No. No. What? No, 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 Jack. I pass on grass all the time. So he says, in other words, in response to the criticism from Christians protesting against them, that's what he meant by it. That was his, or I guess, his criticism. I don't, I don't even understand what he's talking about. Maybe that's why he's not the band Yeah, yeah. I, I got a feeling that might be it. So anyway, I love Striper. Like I said, one of my top 10 bands of all time. That being said, I do not have a Striper album. That is a Desert Island album for me. And that's because always what I will call, they have at least one, an overdone or cheesy or just too churchy of a clunker on like every album. So like Hell with the Devil has that sing-along song, can't stand that song. On Soldiers Under Command, it's the rock that makes me roll. Can't Just can't do it. And for Against the Law, man, I love this album. Even more than some of the actual band members love the album. And I can tolerate Rock the People. Rock the People's okay, and it's the third song on the album. But after nine outstanding songs, Against the Law, Two-Time Woman, Two Bodies, Not That Kind of Guy, Shining Star, Ordinary Man, Lady, Caught in the Middle, All for One, great songs. Rock the hell, hell out of you. I mean, good Lord. I don't even, that was a pun, I guess. I can't stand the closer. Like, it just makes me mad. We will rock the, I mean, I just like, what are you doing? The song before that was a perfect ballad. I don't know why you would end with this. I know you like some of this album, but that song's not great. Yeah, so I do understand exactly what you're saying. I think that uh, Striper has always towed that line of having that bit of cheesiness. And I think that's Michael more than anything. Uh, even when Michael posts certain things, there's sometimes there's a way where he has that sort of over-the-top type thing. And uh, look, be who you're going to be. Do what you like. It's not my place to judge him. I get it. And listen, there's a million other bands that are equally as guilty by a thousand times over. Kiss, Judas Priest, a million of them. They're all guilty of shit like that where they do something that's just super cheesy come on guys fist in the air type things and it's it's i get it uh so yeah i don't disagree with you on that it's not the first time that you've heard that from striper it won't be the last time that you hear that from striper that's just that's part of their dna i think uh is they've got to have that thing that's just a kind of all for one one for all kind of type thing you know yeah
like what you're hearing? Share this episode out, post it to your favorite social network, and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow, and we greatly appreciate it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. Look at all the people here tonight! Oh, man! I got to make an announcement right here. Can you hear me out there? It's time to take a quick break in the action from this week's episode. Sonny and I just wanted to thank all of you, the listeners, for joining us each and every week. Whether you just found us today or have been listening for multiple episodes, we love your passion for music and rock and roll in general. We consider you all part of our loud minority family. Always remember you can communicate with us a few different ways. If you don't mind Facebook, head over to the Growing Up Rock Loud Minority Facebook group and be part of the conversation. It's a private group and all you have to do is ask to join, answer a few rock and roll questions, and you're in. If you despise Facebook, which many people do, then send us an email to growinguprock at gmail.com. We get everything there. You can follow us on Twitter and Insta at Growing Up Rock, which is one word, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. In the event you feel entertained by our podcast, we would appreciate it if you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode and go leave us a five-star review either at Apple Podcast or Podchaser. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. All right, we're going to get some hate mail on this one. Here we go. So the next one I picked was Def Leppard Pyromania. Here we go. Oh, my God. Sonny's taking shots of Pyromania. It's a perfect record. Blah, 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 blah. I thought Pyromania is a, a Desert Island record for you, though. No, it is not. Oh, it's not. No, okay. it is not. I don't have a Def Leppard one. Okay. Go ahead. It's close. It's close. I, Pyromania is great. It's just not perfect. I right? got you. And to me... Def Leppard doesn't have any perfect albums, right? The first eight songs on this album are outstanding. And we're going to talk about what keeps it from being a Desert Island record for you. That's right. Okay. Action Not Words is okay, but Billy's Got a Gun as a closer is just not good. It just doesn't even compare to the other tracks. You can't even call it acceptable filler. And I know you love, love, love this album, but you cannot tell me that Billy's Got a Gun closes this album with a bank. Well, that's exactly what I'm going to tell you, my friend, because oh, it's in the Lord. title. Billy's got a gun. Bang, bang. Jesus. Shoot yeah. him up. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> yeah. So Pyromania is a Desert Island record for me. I don't have a problem with any of the songs on here. Obviously, like any other album, some songs are better than others. There's no doubt about that. This song comes at the very end. It's not like they put it as the first song on the record. It's not like it's, you know. I was just looking uh, because I saw it on your list. So I, I said, let me pull up the uh, album listing, the song listing, because I wanted to know whether or not I felt like Billy's Got a Gun is my least favorite song on this record. And it's close. I think it's close. If you take away the fatigue and all that, right? Because I would I would tell you, like, I'm fatigued on Rock of Ages. That's the worst song on the album. That's, that's not a truth statement. It's a, that's fatigue. So... Billy's Got a Gun and Die Hard the Hunter are real kind of neck and neck for me. I like them both. 
and they by no means keep this record from being a desert island record for me but if you stack up billy's got a gun against photograph or billy's got a gun against rock rock till you drop or stage fright i mean it, it doesn't it doesn't compare. So from that standpoint, I agree. A lot of people don't like action, not words. And I love that song. Like I really like action, not words. That's one of my best. That's one of my favorite, like deep tracks on this record. I can pick way far, uh, worse closers, but okay. Fair enough. All right, sticking with some of my favorite bands, Iron Maiden's another top 10 band for me. And I went with Somewhere in Time and the song Alexander the Great. So if you don't know anything about Somewhere in Time, it's their sixth studio album. And they had just come off a tour that lasted 331 days, and they played 187 times, right? So Bruce was just done. So he's like, look, I want to write different kinds of music. And he started writing these like acoustic-based songs because he was trying to write a physical graffiti, basically. And they basically told him none of those songs were any good. So he doesn't have any co-writes on any of the songs on Somewhere in Time. So now we're all up to Steve Harris and Adrian Smith. And you get the guitar player and the bass player involved. There's not a song on here that's radio-friendly or at least not short enough to play on the radio. Iron Maiden. Just like Striper, I got no Desert Island albums because there is always at least one clunker. Either it's too long or they're trying too hard to be epic and they just lose the melody piece of the song that they're trying to do. Somewhere in Time is my favorite Iron Maiden album. Six outstanding songs. Caught Somewhere in Time, Wasted Years, Sea of Madness, Haven't Come Wait, Stranger in Strange Land, Deja Vu. The Loneliness of a Long Distant Runner, I can tolerate. It's okay. Okay. But then to close the album with an eight-and-a-half-minute Alexander the Great is just not great. I get it. You want to say how great Alexander is. I never liked this song for the first time I heard it. I remember going, what is going on? You could have just threw another deja vu on here. It would have been great. Like, where is this song coming from? It's not a super bad song. I'm just not a big fan of the super epic closer, and Maiden does it a lot. And sometimes they start an album with an 11-minute song, which, whoo, it can be a tough listen. That's all Maiden is now are epic songs. Because yeah. they, don't, they been, don't care anymore. They don't care. They, they, they don't do care they anymore. Do. And usually the first single they release is the shortest song on the record. Like it's yeah. the most normal Iron Maiden song. That first single that they always released is the most normal sounding Iron Maiden song and the shortest song. And then everything else around it is bloated like this is why so maiden let me put this in perspective maiden is a top 10 band for me 
uh, and it's built primarily on the first album all the way through somewhere in time. And that's where it ends for me. Seventh son of a seventh son of a fourth son of a fifth son. I give a shit about don't like the record. Don't care. And don't really like anything after that, except for maybe Brave New World is decent. Alexander the Not-So-Great, according to Sonny. That's the new title, Alexander the Not-So-Great. So a lot was made about them playing this live for the first time in a long time on this uh, current tour that they were doing. I'm guessing that, that that was not a selling point for you? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what's it, what's the difference? I mean, they're doing other songs that are 18 minutes now, like whatever. That's correct. Yeah. So I don't think I was aware that Somewhere in Time was your favorite Maiden record. Oh, yeah. Because it's, it's when I came into Maiden and it was the first time I saw them too. Yeah. Makes sense. Definitely not my favorite Maiden. Mine goes back to like, you know, Peace of Mind or Power Slave. Probably one of those two is probably my favorite. Yeah, I, I got no arguments here for you because I agree. I'm not an epic song lover either in this song, comparatively speaking to like, you know, Sea of Madness and some of those other tunes are much better in my opinion. So it's a solid pick. <laughs> <laughs> And then my last pick, Van Halen, 1984. Oh, my God. Sonny's going after another Diamond album. Blasphemy. Man, Sonny, yeah. so, so let me get this right. Sonny has closed out his Dirty Dozen six-pack with Def Leppard, Iron Maiden, and Van Halen. That's Jesus, right. why don't you just go after Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin while you're at it? I mean, my God, son. You're just sorry. <laughs> you know, I could have went with Saxon and Anthrax, but their whole whole album is shit. So it's not just a last song. <laughs> uh, the views and expressions <laughs> voiced in this podcast by Sonny Hollywood Pooney do not reflect those of the Grown Up Rock podcast. Continue. So 1984, everybody knows the album. We did a in-depth review of it a couple of years ago. And as you may remember, topped out at number two. It couldn't be Thriller. But Jump did go number one. And just in case you didn't know this, Jump replaced Karma Chameleon by Culture Club to go number one, had the spot for five weeks, and then lost it to Footloose by Kenny Loggins. So here's my thing. I can tolerate the 67 seconds you wasted at the beginning of the album. Okay? I got you. Whatever. Seven wonderful songs after it. But to end with House of Pain, come on. The song's just not good. It's a terrible ending. They should have done a cover song instead. Just redo Ice Cream Man. I'd have been so happy. It's not a good song, and I don't know why you would end an album with this, and I know you don't agree, so go ahead. <laughs> you know me well, my friend. 
<laughs> no, yeah, I don't do not agree with that. Uh, in fact, it's probably the best song on this album, short of Hot for Oh Future. my God, dude. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. That much I'm kidding. House of Pain is an old, old Van Halen song that goes back to the Van Halen demos before the first album even came out. So, you know, it's like a lot of Van Halen stuff. They go and they dig out riffs and rework songs all through their entire career. This is just another case of that. Uh, if you go back and listen to the Gene Simmons Gene Simmon demos, I think it's on that one in particular. And if not, it's definitely on one of the earlier ones before that even. I like it. I like the chugging riff. It doesn't bother me. There's nothing that really bothers me. Is it the best written song on this record? No. It probably would have been better placed on one of the earlier albums because by the time they get to 1984, their writing has become a little bit more slick with songs like Panama and, uh, you know, I'll Wait and Jump and stuff like that. It's a little bit slicker writing, but. I like the song. I don't have a problem with House of Pain. It's certainly not a bad closer to a record, so that really doesn't bother me at all. Uh, They're far worse, but that one doesn't bother me at all. Sorry. Don't agree with that one, sir. Yeah, I had, let's see, three platinum albums, two diamond albums, and an album that the band members hate on my list. You went after some massive ones. I must say, I'll give it to you. You got the balls to go after some of these uh, things. The one thing I do like, this is what always makes me amused, is that the world-famous Hollywood Poonie has such fans and followers that even when he disses a band, I get blamed for it. Like, like people are chiming in, chiming in. Oh, yeah, you didn't like so and so. I'm like, I was not the one that said that. Hollywood was the one that said that. I actually defended him. Sonny goes off on Brett Michaels and I get shit for hating poison. I'm not the one that hate poison. I'm like, uh, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I think here's the thing. I think that you and I will re- record a disclaimer that I can insert every time you say something negative to the effect of this is sunny Hollywood Pooney and I'm about to diss this band. Check it out. <laughs> I think poison has some great singers. 
Brett's not one of them. <laughs> you like some of the poison stuff. You like that first album. I do. I do. I do. I like it's just like Rat. I like that first album and then it progressively gets worse. Brett is not uh as singers go, Brett is not the worst of the singers out there. He's he's got a tolerable voice and uh so I I got no issue with uh Brett's vocals. Look, he still sounds pretty much like he did back then today, which is pretty good these days because, you know, he's no spring chicken anymore. If you're a Spotify listener, check out some of the killer playlists we have put together for your listening pleasure. Links to the playlist are in the show notes or just search Growing Up Rock Playlist in Spotify. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late, and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make, and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well... I could make a run to the store, or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything Factor Meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor Meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code pantheon50 to get 50% off. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain again with something every podcast listener and music junkie needs to hear. As I'm sure you can guess, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I also listen to a lot of music, so having high-quality headphones and earbuds are absolutely critical to my day. Oh, and I have numerous pairs. In fact, I have a junk drawer of used devices that have bitten the dust, so I've tried them all. Recently, I was sent a pair of earbuds by Raycon, and the first thing I noticed was the cost. Uh, Looks like their products are about half the price of other premium brands. Okay, that's cool. And the reviews seem pretty stellar. Okay, checks that box. So I got my Raycon Everyday Earbuds, a nice packaging to open, and what I immediately noticed were the pack of ear tips for sizing. Uh, I'll tell you, I have small ear canals. Uh, I know, a flaw. So to see choices for the best fit, uh, especially while exercising, oh yeah. And yes, they were immediately comfortable. Sound quality was great too. Plus I have three EQ options that I love because I like more bass in my music and less in the podcasts. Eight hours of playtime for the battery is great as well. Surround sound, noise canceling, and awareness mode all included. I think I'm in business and I just realized I've had them in all day. Like I said, super comfortable. Go to buyraycon.com slash Pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash Pantheon. Okay. So it's time to get into my six pack 
part of the Dirty Dozen. Sonny had his six-pack. My six-pack is here, and it's going to be a little less going after some of those big names like Sonny did. However, really? I'm, well, I'm looking at oh, the last three <laughs> names on this list. Yeah. Okay, could Sonny. be bigger than anybody I talk about. <laughs> yeah, let me rephrase that. Yeah, I'm going to be in trouble after I go after some of these things because most of the names, I think all the names except for one are pretty much well-loved. So it is what it is. I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, that's how I roll. <laughs> so what, what are you going to do about it? There's not much I can do about it. Well, let's dive right in. We might as well not even hesitate. and We'll go straight for it. I am going to talk about Ronnie James Dio. Rest in peace. <laughs> I love the pause because you know a punch is coming. Yeah. So his first two albums the Dio Holy Diver record and the last in line are both damn near perfect records. God, I love those records beyond belief, but neither one is a desert Island record because both of those albums sport a song at the end that kills the vibe of the record for me. I cannot stand it at all. I just cannot stand the song on Holy Diver. Shame on the night. I absolutely hate it. But one I hate even worse is on Last in Line, and that's Egypt. The chains are on. I just, I don't get it. I mean, when you go from We Rock to this, or Stand Up and Shout to Shame on the Night, I mean, they're interchangeable songs, in my opinion. Both songs are sort of, I don't know, they're just very similar to me, uh, especially in the vibe. And Dio framed his whole tour around this theme of Egypt and the chains are on and just neither one of those songs does it for me it kills the vibe of the record and i i hate it because both those records are so good like desert island records almost it's like this is a desert island record but and then you got the big butt at the end and it's just no it's awful i can't stand it do you like uh last in line as a record uh at all and do you like this song uh, Egypt is not a good song. To me, Holy Diver is better than Last in Line overall. And I really only like three songs on this record anyway. So, yeah.
Yeah, I I think I agree with you that Holy Diver is better than Last in Line. What three songs are the only three songs you like on Last in Line? Uh, we Rock, Last in Line, Mystery. Wow, really? Yeah. The other songs are meh. So you don't like Breathless? You don't like I Speed at Night? You don't like Evil Eyes? They're okay. They're just meh. Wow. Nah, I don't agree with you there. You're insane. All right, so from there, we're going to go to the mighty Judas Priest. We talked about Iron Maiden in the last group. These are their counterparts, Judas Priest. Love Priest. Priest has got a lot of great albums. They've got some albums that are meh, for sure. I'm looking at you, uh, Necromancer, or whatever it's called, Nostradamus. (laughs) That's an awful album. So anyway, but a few years ago, They put out their latest record, which at this point is like, what, five, six years old, called Firepower. And everybody chimed in, including myself. The Priest is back. This record is so good. Oh, my God, that record was so good. I loved Firepower. I hope that they give us another record that's as good as that because that album for me was outstanding. It made my top 10. I think it made my number one album for that year that it was released. Just a great, great priest record. Every bit is strong and right in line with Screaming for Vengeance and British Steel and those records back then. But at the end of that album is a song called Sea of Red. And it is a sea of shit because that song is not good. I do not like that song in any way, shape, or form. It doesn't belong on that record. And it's just, they could have ended before that song and it would have been a perfect album desert island album for me but they decided to put this song see a red on there and it just it sucked i know you're not the hugest priest fan in the world but i think that you thought this record was decent did you like this record and did you listen to the song called sea of red i listened to sea of red you are correct it's not great i remember this record i listened to most of it most of it was meant to me And I will say it again, every time I listen to Priest, I like it less and less. We keep talking about Priest. I'm not going to like a single song come 2025 (laughs) because I listen to it and I like it less and less. I'm going to end up doing a Priest discography by myself, too. It's like I already got to do the Russian Saxon one by myself and then Priest is going to come up. I'm going to end up doing the Rat one by myself. Shit, I'll have to have to invite people to come on and be my part-time co-host when I do albums that, that my partner doesn't like. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to it, but I'm going to tell you what it is. And I just, man, Halford is starting to wear on me, I think. Remembrance Day 
Moving on. So at the beginning of this year, we started our album series for 2023, which is celebrating albums that are hitting their 40th anniversary. We kicked off this year in January with Crocus Headhunter. And I absolutely love Headhunter. It's my favorite Crocus record, period. End of story. I just think it's killer. And if you go back and listen to that episode, the majority of both myself and Sonny and our guest for that episode was Steve Wright from the Potter and Hell podcast. Righty. We all liked that album quite a bit. Even Sonny liked it, which is a surprise to a lot of listeners, I'm sure. However, the one thing I think we also all agreed on is that the ending of this record has a song called Russian Winter, and it is not good. It puts a dud thump on the end of this record, which is unfortunate because overall the record is pretty damn good. Russian Winter is a Russian hunk of shit. So, yeah, not a good song. Do you recollect any of that, Mr. Pooney? Yeah, Russian Winter was not great. Neither is White Din, so that completes the double dip stupid at the end of this album. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. The yeah. instrumental White Din goes into it. Yeah. But and, the other not great is the stay awake all night. 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 Just keep putting that on. Yeah, yeah me, <laughs> just like, oh. me and uh, Righty thought that song's okay. You didn't like the BTO cover of Stay Awake All Night. <laughs> well, I don't know if you can call it a song when you just run, write one line and say it 85 times. All right, so going from a band like Crocus, get your emails ready because I'm quite sure there'll be death threats over this one. <laughs> you think you think Sonny almost got in trouble for the Iron Maiden, Def uh, Leppard, and Van Halen? I'm going to go after the mighty Led Zeppelin. I like Zeppelin overall, and Zeppelin one, two, and three are fantastic, as is Physical Graffiti and other Zeppelin records. But I'm going to go after Led Zeppelin 3. And Led Zeppelin, they have a propensity for putting sort of different vibes on their record. They're not a, a straight hard rock or rock band or any of that stuff. They got all kinds of flavors, right? They've got blues and they just have different flavors within their album. So I do understand that part of it. Overall... I think Led Zeppelin 3 is fantastic. I think it's a great record. But you get to the end, and they have this song on the end called Hats Off to Roy Harper. I don't know what's going on with this song. 
I thought maybe it's just a straight up sort of blues slide song. Maybe it was just something that Paige was feeling at the time. I don't know, but I hate it. It sucks. That song is not good. The name is not good. It just it puts a damper on an otherwise great album with some classic songs on it. But hats off to Roy Harper. Roy Harper, no. My hat is not off to you. It was not a good song. I know, again, you're not the hugest Zeppelin fan in the world, but do you know Zeppelin 3 and do you know this song? I do know Zeppelin 3. I know Roy Harper. He was a guard for the Bulls that uh, got a lot of assists passing to Michael Jordan. I remember that. Um, I'm assuming that's not who they're singing about. I don't think uh, so. Zeppelin, Zeppelin is tough for me because there is some Zeppelin I like, but because they're so weird, they're very much like Queen. For every song that I can find I like, there's a song that I don't like. And this album, I only like about half the songs anyway. Uh, yeah, Roy Harper ain't one of them. All right, we're in agreement upon that. Send your hate mail to Hollywood at grownuprock.com. All right, so I'm going to go from Zeppelin to another yet beloved band in Motley Crue, although right now these days they're probably less loved than they were in their heyday. But let's talk about their heyday. Shout at the Devil, a record that people praise from here to eternity. Fantastic. Oh, my God, it's such a great record. I agree. There's a lot of great stuff on Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil. Love it. But that being said, it is not a Desert Island record for me. And let's say you like a little bit newer crew, so you're more of a Dr. Feelgood kind of guy. I'm going to give you Motley Crue A and B shit parade. So <laughs> Dr. Feelgood, another great record. There's a lot of great stuff on it. Overall, I love the record. But again, you come to the end. So coming to the end of Shout at the Devil, you have this song called Danger. And I know a lot of people are like, yeah, but the lyrics are edgy and they're really meaningful and they're autobiographical by Nikki and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. I don't care. The song sucks. It's not a good song. I can't compare a song like Danger to Shout at the Devil or Looks at Kill or Bastard. It's just not a good song. I don't like it. And then Dr. Feelgood, you got great songs on there. Dr. Feelgood, Rattlestank Shake. There's just good stuff on Dr. Feelgood, but you get to the end and it has this song, Time for a Change. Oh, man, you're a real edgy, glam, hard rock band. Yeah, no. Either one of those, you can put either one there. They suck. I hate them both. So I'm guessing that you're familiar with not only both these albums, but both these songs. Oh, yeah, I am. Danger. <laughs> I'm just like, wow. <laughs> that that album overall is pretty good. Knock 'em Dead Kid is not exactly great either, but 
Yeah, Danger's a tough, a tough ending to that album. Yeah. Time for change. Dude, I don't know who Donna McDaniel is, but whoever Donna McDaniel is co-wrote the song with Nikki, which means there's possible this person got points on this record. That is a terrible song. She either, they owed her money or somebody's doing Donna or I don't know who's holding Donna now. But that holding down and now song would have been better to end this album because, oh, my God, that song's brutal. <laughs> brutal. Right? Brutal. I mean, Vince Neil never needs to sing a ballad. He doesn't have a ballad voice. Yeah, that album has Without You on it, too. It's, oh, that one's brutal, too. It is, but it's a better song than This Time for Change. And, it, yeah. and it's not good. You're right. <laughs> All right, so if Zeppelin and Motley Crue weren't going after some big names, let me by all means just put a nail in my particular coffin of this dirty dozen and go right for the throat with one of my all-time favorite bands, ACDC. Love ACDC. Love the record that we're about to talk about. Absolutely love it. It's my entry point for ACDC. I've said it many a times. I came into ACDC round Highway to Hell and Back in Black almost simultaneously. I wore the shit out of Highway to Hell, but one thing I did not wear out is the end of Highway to Hell. I am not a fan of Night Prowler. I've never really loved that song at all. It's a weak ending to a fantastic record, in my opinion. And I'll go one step further. I've never been a huge fan of the super bluesy slow jam ACDC, which was more prevalent with the Bon Scott era than it was the Brian Johnson era. Uh, it's kind of part of the ACDC DNA, so I do understand that part of it. But I just don't love the slow, bluesy, super bluesy jams. I like the more groove-oriented ACDC shit, which is the majority of their shit is that. But Highway to Hell, fantastic album. Night Prowler, not one of my favorites. You're getting into Bon Scott much more these days. Your thoughts on Highway to Hell as an album and then Night Prowler as a song? I love Highway to Hell. Night Prowler, it's just a little too real for me. So I've never really enjoyed the song because it kind of creeps me out a little bit. But I'm not in love with the TV dinner song before it either. The TV dinner song. Love Hungry Man. Oh, love. <laughs> Swanson's Love Hungry Man. Yeah, Hungry Man Dinner. Okay, cool. I got you. Straight up double dip stupid in because <laughs> those two songs are terrible. Compared to everything else that's on that album, those two songs are terrible. Yeah, I sometimes forget about Love Hungry Man, but I'll tell you what one of the parts that I do like about that song is right after the course, the little bass run. So I do kind of like it. Um, I love, love, hungry, boom, 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 boom. So I do kind of like that little run. I don't hate it, but I don't also disagree with you that that's not the best song in the world. Swanson TV Dinners presents ACDC Love Hungry Man Tour. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah, someone's leaving. 
So there we have it. Two six-packs making up the dirty dozen of terrible album enders to an otherwise pretty damn decent album. So I guess the bright spot in all this dirty dozen is that we are negative in saying these songs are sucking ass. However, it's coming at the back end of a record that we think is pretty damn good. So that's fair to say, yeah? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you know we got to connect it to KISS. Hey, Hollywood, you know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, but you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS! All right, so for the kiss portion of this thing, I could have easily went with Love Gun, then she kissed me. Most people agree with that. Could have easily went with Hot in the Shade with Boomerang. Most people agree with that. But instead, I'm going to go with the 12th album released by Kiss called Animalize. So after seven outstanding songs, I've had enough Into the Fire, Heaven's on Fire, Burn, Bitch, Burn, Get All You Can Take, Lonely as a Hunter, Under the Gun, Thrills of the Night. Most KISS fans that, that like 80s KISS, I'm a huge 80s KISS fan. This was my first KISS album. Love those seven songs. While the City Sleeps, which is the ace song, is not stellar, but it's okay. But then, the closer on the album is this piece of crap. So here is Gene on vocals and bass, Mitch Wiseman on guitar, and Mitch Wiseman wrote a couple of these songs, including While the City Sleeps, so his track record's not great. Paul on guitar, Eric Carr on drums, and Bruce Kulick actually did the lead guitar on this one. One of the worst songs in history. Murder in the high heels.
So I love this song for that and that alone. (laughs) That is the only reason that I love this song. I I have a a sound clip that I, I use just of that. Uh, yeah, is it worse than Log in the Fireplace, though? Oh, no. Log in the Fireplace is not bad. That's just a weird lyric that people go to, but that song's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's funny. I, I don't mind the music in this song, uh, but I think it's just the, the delivery of that uh, that course. <laughs> it's kind of funny and kind of cheesy all at the same time. Murder in high heels. And it's a shame because the music rips the rest of the album really rips. So if that course wasn't so bad, it'd actually be a great Desert Island album. Yeah, it's funny. It's a it's a shame that Desmond couldn't help out with that one part, right? He helped out with other parts, but he didn't have anything to contribute to that. <laughs> uh there's talk about and Desmond would tell you himself. He's not sure if Gene liked him very much. Yeah. Uh, maybe not. Yeah. So he did most of his work with Paul yeah all right so there we go we're wrapping up another one in the books another episode of the dirty dozen series this one is terrible album enders for an otherwise pretty good record that's a lot to swallow but hey there it is for you i will tell you this if you're new to the podcast we have started releasing these friday quick fixes on friday morning and it's a great way to get your weekend started because hey we cover it all we do solo episodes we do some episodes together but we do everything from album reviews to concert reviews to movie reviews to candy bar reviews to all kinds of things Uh, so you never know what you're going to get with a friday quick fix but they're pretty fun and they're quick because it's usually 15 minutes or less uh, and it gets your weekend off to a pretty good start. I've been enjoying doing them. I know my partner over there, uh, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, has enjoyed them as well. Sonny, do you have anything to add before we get up on out of here? Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, yes, we took a shot at some big bands today. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, our bad. Send your hate mail. But uh, if you like those songs, then you're truly disillusioned. Anyway, before <laughs> before all that, have a fantastic week. See ya. Later. That's the show. So let's shuffle, rattle, and roll us out of here. Until next week. Always remember, peace, love, and rock and roll.
Growing Up Rock is a proud member of the Pantheon Network. Pantheon is the place for music lovers. Check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.